0: Hi everyone, this is Lynn from Yoga Story, and I'm here with one of our students, one of our clients, Kim Moore, and we want to talk to you today about yoga, mental health, and brain hacking. Welcome, you, Kim, to the podcast.
1: Hello. <laughs>
0: so, Kim, how long have you been coming to Yoga Story?
1: Um, I've been coming for about a year. Okay. And the, how long have you been doing yoga? Um, that's been like five or six years. Okay, talk to us a little bit about your yoga journey. Um, I started yoga from the spiritual side. I was doing some meditation and whatnot and, you know, got into it. I did it on YouTube for a really long time, and I really liked the easy, relaxing stuff. It was exciting to get my breath to, you know, align with my body. But I really didn't start any of the power flow, anything hard until about two years ago, two, three years ago, when I was having such bad anxiety attacks, like full, terrible panic attacks that I started to exercise um, it was the only thing that could get my anxiety to start coming down. It was like, honestly, an act of desperation. Cause I hated exercise until then. I was like, I don't want to, I don't want to work hard. <laughs> and so now I'm, I'm working hard a lot and it's been amazing for anxiety.
0: Well, I think we have that in common because that was one of the reasons why I started yoga like over 20 years ago and date myself, <laughs> uh, cause I woke up with lockjaw one day from stress and I'd always heard that yoga was relaxing and I took a yoga class it wasn't even a power class and I was like holy crap I'm weak (laughs) but the breath work and the body work tapped me into. so I kind of went in the reverse way that helped me discover a side of spirituality that I'd never experienced before because I feel like I feel my feelings very physically and you kind of relate to that don't you
1: Oh, yeah. I had no idea that I needed to process them through my body. This is all very new in these last couple years, and it is game changer. Um, Instead of just trying to talk myself out of being anxious, actually like running or doing hot yoga and letting it come through me, my brain is convinced that I've outrun the imaginary tiger, basically. I'm over here freaking out, and it's like, oh, we're safe now. It's it's awesome.
0: Well, and I think a lot, you and I have similar personalities, and I think a lot of times People try to intellectually process the mental health side of things as opposed to allowing themselves to feel. And you can't heal things through thinking about them. I, I read something. I forget where it was from. I'm sure it was on social media. But somebody, had, and it really stuck with me. And I've always said it. And you've always heard it in the yoga world. You have to feel it to heal it. But the way they put it was... It may have even been TikTok. <laughs> it was. That <It> <laughs> she said, Listen, you can't intellectually process your emotions. You can use tools that you've learned intel- intellectually, but that the only way for you to feel your feelings is to actually let yourself sit there and feel them. And I was like, Oh. Okay, <laughs> but that's, so that's kind of part of what I wanted to talk to you about today was uh, brain hacking, uh, that was the first thing, and then talking about mental health and yoga, uh, because you're an artist as well.
1: Yeah, uh, I do art for Kindness Matters Studio, that's like my little like studio name, and like the main thing that I want to talk openly about is mental health, because it's been my whole life, yeah. has has just been, you can't, you can't have the kind of mental health problems I've had and not have it color everything that you've done. And so it's like my platform to just like share it and let other people know they're not alone. It's been really fun actually.
0: And yeah, follow her on Instagram kindness matters studio and I follow her on Instagram and that's where this idea for the podcast came up because she shared A couple of videos on her stories one day uh, talking about when she has a major depressive episode what she does to kind of hack her brain to help her come out of that and so i specifically wanted to start with that and talk about that first
1: oh i'm like so happy to talk about that um it's really funny like you said i had done therapy i actually studied psychology all to try and like think my way to healing and it really only got me so far. Um, it was helpful, and I still am in therapy, but the real game changer was um, when I started to feel and use my body. And so my, my basic steps are like: as soon as I feel a, a depressive episode coming on, I start to nourish my body, and like, I pour into it. Especially knowing that if it becomes a full-blown, severe depression, I won't have any energy. I won't be able to get off the floor. And so early, 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 like as soon as my energy starts to drop, as soon as my mood starts to shift, as soon as I start feeling and thinking like, ugh, there's just no meaning, everything's awful, I immediately like, okay, let's get some nutrition into me. Let's get some sunshine on my face. Let's um, let our friends know. I have a wonderful group of friends and a therapist and I will let them know like, I think I'm at the beginning of a depressive episode check on me in a couple weeks, and they are so good, they will ask me very good questions, like, how long are you sleeping? Because if I start sleeping 12, 14 more hours a day, that's gonna make me get depressed so much faster. And they're gonna say, have you eaten today? Have you nourished your body? Have you moved? Have you stretched? Um, And so I put these like really basic guidelines around my life to make sure that I'm nourishing myself in those early stages. And that's been like a huge game changer and often will keep me out of the depths of the deep deep depressions because those can last for years if you really lean into them. Yeah. And they're they're terrifying. And so you can end up like terrified of depression so much that it makes it worse. Because as soon as you start to feel a little sad, you're like, "Oh no. Oh no. Oh no." And then you kind of like you start to listen to depression. You're like, "Oh, I should isolate. I should just like sleep." And like, I've learned all of these interesting things. And I have a protocol for each stage. I have an early depression, a mid-depression, and a severe depression protocol. I love
0: it. <laughs> you probably have it written down somewhere. Written yes, now. you do. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: no, so uh, let's talk a little bit about anxiety uh, because that's something that I struggle with because I kind of go in the opposite direction. When I get anxious, I try to do all the things. Um, and I try to uh, make everything better by doing things. Um filling my day full of tasks so that I can't rest <laughs> so, until I absolutely crash and I'm kind of forced to rest. Um, so I try to make sure that I'm being balanced. I check in with people like, hey, is this a stupid idea? Am I taking on too much? Um, hopefully before that becomes an issue. So let's talk a little bit about how you kind of hack your anxiety.
1: And it's kind of funny because anxiety is a little bit of a different beast. Um because it is so cerebral, your brain will take over and and start just telling you all of the things, and you you will you'll find yourself spinning out, spinning out, trying to make it better um, the new one that I've been doing is literally just feeling it um, like like you said, letting myself feel anxious and realizing that I 'm not going to die because running from the anxiety makes the anxiety worse yeah. um, it, it then then immediately trying to do some physical activity if I can to let it process but first I do feel it and actually it's funny we had um, uh, (laughs) Lynn got to witness me have a full-blown panic attack during a hot yoga class and I stayed in the yoga class and that's new for me and my therapist was really excited she (laughs) said you know you persisted you taught your body that like this is bad and you're not loving it but what better place to have a panic attack than a hot yoga class? We're <laughs> already sweating. You know, you're crying a little bit. No one can tell because of the, cr- of the sweat. <laughs> Everyone's breathing hard, so no one notices. And so it was really almost a little bit of exposure therapy because I'm, it's public, but no one noticed except me. And I lived through it, and it ended up being a really good thing because at the end I cried and everyone held me and was like, we got you. And so it was a really empowering experience to see that I can live through it and that people will catch me. I've really surrounded myself with good people that'll catch me. Yeah. yeah.
0: So, how do you use the things that you've gone through in your life for your art?
1: Oh man. <sighs> yes, bring that on. There's there's no art without it, and that's been hard for me to accept. Um, when I really start to feel my feelings and try and let it come through on the on my canvas, it's a whole different kind of art. It's powerful. It's emotional and it feels so good, it's so cathartic. And I avoided that for so long, because I didn't want to feel my feelings. So I just made pretty things and never wanted to actually put any feeling into it. And I actually got that critique back. I dropped out of art school after one year because they said, this is cold, there's no feeling here. And I was in the middle of a major mental health crisis and they're like, why are you not putting this down? And I, I didn't know what they meant, how? How would I put this down? But you have to really sit with it. You have to be okay being uncomfortable. And the weirdest part of all of this is if you sit with your feelings and acknowledge where it is in your body, like tell your brain, be quiet, brain be quiet. And you're like, where is this? And with anxiety, it's almost always in your chest and your stomach. It's that tightness. And you let yourself feel it. Often it'll start to ease up after about five or ten minutes. It's not nearly as long as you think it's going to be. And that is so weird to me. That's so weird. Like I spent years avoiding this and then five minutes of it and I'm I'm already like down a notch. That's That's wild. And so I will, I will sit with the feeling and then I'll just let kind of images and colors come to my brain and I will get it out on canvas. And it's a lot of abstract art lately to get it out. And it feels so much better than avoiding it, running it from it, trying to avoid discomfort. That's basically what I was doing before.
0: Well, and I think that's, kind of an epidemic of people avoiding discomfort because they don't want to feel those things that make them feel uncomfortable and a lot of feelings can make you feel uncomfortable a lot of them but I really love you using that feeling that uncomfortableness to create as I think that if people will allow themselves to sit with something uncomfortable as opposed to trying to escape it um, and I Julie and I talked a lot about alcohol use in our podcast when we talked about sobriety um, as a way to numb some uncomfortable feelings. and it wasn't really anything major. it was just like persistent, low level uncomfortableness with our lives. Um, the, when we stopped doing that and I went to my therapist and I was like why am I feeling so many feelings there's so many feelings now and that was why she was like your subconscious is waking up but I feel like a lot of there's a lot of people with untapped potential and it doesn't even have to be good art like
1: oh (laughs) make bad art please make bad art. I make a lot of bad art and I make good art. I make both, but you can't make good art unless you just let yourself make bad art. Yeah. Just get it out. It's yeah. fun.
0: Yeah, well, and that's what, I think that's also what's great about TikTok is that people are getting, like, letting themselves be creative and letting themselves be cringy, as the, my 14-year-old would say, <laughs> because they're allowing themselves to express the feelings that they're feeling inside. And maybe five people will see it and maybe five, 50,000 people will see it, but it's like, it doesn't matter if it's good or bad, just create, just allow yourselves to move through what you're feeling and create something without judgment about what it looks like.
1: Oh yeah. There's, it's funny. Cause a lot of people will say, I just don't have a creative bone in my body. And then it's, they will then say, well, I hate being vulnerable. I really hate, you know, being uncomfortable. And I'm like, Oh, you have creativity. You just the, the vulnerability gets you because creativity is vulnerable it's so scary you're putting yourself out there especially if you're in like a group class or you are sharing it it's really scary but if you let yourself do it it's just so rewarding
0: so what would you say say somebody's listening to this and they're like oh that's me i have problems being vulnerable or i have problems uh, and I don't like to use that word or I don't allow myself. How about that? I don't allow myself to be vulnerable or I don't allow myself to feel my feelings because they're uncomfortable. What would you tell them is the first step to being able to do that?
1: Oh, man, that's tough because there's so many different ways to to try out some vulnerability. Um and maybe a really nice way would be to be vulnerable with someone who's really safe, who you can really know that they're not gonna—they're not gonna bite you, they're not gonna laugh at you. You know, just opening yourself a little bit up to them, um, and also maybe trying a little creativity at home, again alone, and just letting yourself make a horrible mess. Like, get out a canvas or something and make a terrible mess, and then just go oh wow look at that I made a horrible mess and it it feels good because there's no expectation don't try to make something beautiful like literally go into it trying to make the ugliest piece of art you can it can be a really healthy wonderful thing and you can always paint over it a million times Um, and funny enough another good one is to do yoga because yoga especially as you progress it gets uncomfortable and you meet that edge you really meet that edge of like discomfort and being okay with it when you're when you're you know doing your 20th chaturanga and you're just like okay especially
0: if you come to my class if you come to Lynn's
1: (laughs) class she loves chaturangas (laughs) it was a shocker to my system but that discomfort you breathe through it and you realize that you're okay you're okay it's okay it's okay yeah well
0: and I think that's I know that I preach that a lot when people get onto their mats, that the physical aspect, and I have struggled with this in the the yoga circle because I feel like I'm a kind of stick out in the yoga circle and not in a great way. (laughs) But that I I really love the physical part of the practice. Um, And I know that there's so many people that poo-poo the physical asana and saying that, that it's like, with, without meditation physical asana is just gymnastics and it's like well <laughs> no I mean, we preach so much about the mind body and spirit being connected that if you leave out the body part you can't leave out the body part
1: you like it's i think in western culture we're so disconnected from our body that i am really here for the physical practice i was shocked right away when i started to yoga and i go I've been living this long and I've never once made my breath match anything in my body. And breath work is a fantastic way to handle mental illness as well. It's great for anxiety. It's great for depression. You can change just a little bit of your mood just by changing your breath. So learning to move with breath is fantastic. And I'm here for the physical practice. I think it's I think it's fantastic for our culture. We need it. We need it.
0: Because we're not connected to the body. Instead, we see the body as an object. Instead of understanding the connection of how emotions, especially ones that are not processed and not felt, stick and stay inside the body and they turn into something else so like we just had an explicit class <laughs> just uh, not right just now but like we, we did an explicit class here at yoga story where it was hot hard and the playlist had a bunch of cursing in it and the reason why I did that was because I read somewhere and and because I had been feeling like that like I had done some uh, personal practices to some of those songs on the playlist and it felt so cathartic but I had read somewhere that anger I'm sure it was TikTok. <laughs> All right. One of those uh, psychiatrists or psychologists on TikTok uh, that anger is just misplaced sadness in the body. And it's just like, oh, that's so very true. Anger does feel like misplaced sadness in the body or transformed sadness. And that's the thing about feelings is that they're actually also very similar Panic and excitement have very similar symptoms. You know, heart rate goes up, breath starts to, to increase, uh, you know, that kind of thing, flushing to the face. Can be panic or it can be excitement. But sometimes, depending on what we're dealing with, either somebody who's not aware of how to feel their feelings or even PTSD, like sometimes a body or a brain cannot literally distinguish between the two. And that's a whole other realm of mental health that needs to be treated appropriately but point being is that if we allow ourselves to feel those feelings and feel them physically and process them as they go through specific stages so sadness doesn't always say sadness it can morph into anger which can morph into something else which can morph into something else and if we never allow ourselves to feel it ultimately it can not always but it can become something like addiction uh alcohol abuse food abuse you know things like that because we never actually dealt with the root problem absolutely. so um so i want you to talk about one of your pieces that we have up here at the studio that i just absolutely love and i'm springing this on her in the last second <laughs> so um but it is a picture it is a um a piece of art i don't want to say picture it's a piece of art that depicts um an outline profile of a person their um, spinal column, and their brain. And it almost looks like little flames coming
1: off their brain. So I want you to talk through that and what inspired you to make this piece. Okay, this is such an interesting piece because I started it, I mean, somewhere between 12 and 15 years ago. I'm not sure exact timeline. Um, And 12 and 15 years ago, you would not recognize me, honestly. I, I was just so still deeply in the throes of my mental illness and avoiding that. It's just, to see this piece come to fruition now It's just kind of funny. It feels like the embodiment of all the work I did. Um, so this piece, it, you can see it's kind of a smoky outline and it looks like almost a child's outline. And then I knew 12 or 15 years ago that I wanted to do a anatomically correct representation of the connectome, which is all of the neural connections in your brain and spinal cord. And it's a lot of little lines. It's very detailed and is very complex. I had all of the, it was all done in black and white, and I had finished that part. And then I could not do the colored lines. Over and over, I would try and do them. Over and over. And I would panic. The vulnerability was too much. The risk of ruining it, because I already liked it, and I would panic and paint over it. It's been painted over so many times. I would panic, paint over it, panic, paint over it. And so this year, after I really touched into this discomfort and got into painting um, a little more emotionally, I would say, because I've been painting my whole life, but I finally tapped into the, the real creative side. I said, okay, this is it. This month, I'm finishing it. And <laughs> my partner looked at me like, oh, <laughs> that the one, you're finishing the one. And I said, I'm finishing this one and I did and it, it, was a fun, it was one of those things where it only took a couple of days of really intense work and I'm like you know I've taken over a decade avoiding this because it was so painful so dis- so much uncomfort, discomfort and how quickly it came together how much I love it how colorful and amazing it, it just turned out exactly like I wanted it to and I just can't believe I avoided it but I couldn't do it before I couldn't do it I'm in a different place my, my brain is stronger, my body is stronger, my social world is stronger, I have more connections than I ever did. And it's actually called connected because it's the connection to yourself and your own mind with the spinal cord, but then you've got a bit of a hazy background. And that's kind of like, where does that connection even end? Because we're connected to each other too. And you can see it's almost like seeping out that we're all just connected to each other. And I feel that with this painting that I, I'm so much more connected than I ever have been and I have people that hold me. And I've had a few depressive episodes this year and they didn't go very deep at all because people kept coming back and saying, hey, are you doing the things? Are you taking care of yourself? Are you taking care of my friend? It's one of our favorite things that I say. I have a few friends that struggle with mental illness and we'll ask them, are you taking care of my friend? Because sometimes it's hard to think about caring for yourself, but if you remember that that I am your friend and I, I love you, well, I can take care of your friend for you. <laughs> and yeah. it kind of takes the pressure off. And so weirdly, this is, this is the embodiment of all the, uh, mental health growth I've had.
0: Well, and you can see it on, uh, Kim's social media at kindness matters studio on Instagram, and you can purchase it too, if you'd like. <laughs> uh, but I really like how you, uh, mentioned that you've been working on it for a decade but when you actually buckled down to say i'm going to finish it it didn't take you very long and i think that's often uh, and you mentioned that too with the panic attacks that you think it's going to go on forever or that you're not going to survive and it usually only takes about five or ten minutes to come out of it and i think that's a lot of what people maybe their hesitation of dealing with uncomfortable feelings is that they feel like it's going to take a long time And sometimes it does yes but the majority of the time dealing with uncomfortable feelings or actually allowing yourself to feel your feelings doesn't take that long (laughs) doesn't take that long to process especially when you do it as a habit when you allow yourself over and over again to come back to those feelings use the intellectual tools i can't think your way out of your feelings use them as tools to allow yourself to feel your feelings, hack your brain, and make it out onto the other side. Well, Kim, thank you so much for joining me for this podcast and talking about being vulnerable and talking about your mental health, because I think it's it's super common. Uh, You know, I love when people are like, it just seems like there's so much more anxiety and depression. I'm like, are are we just making, I mean, yes, that could be the the, the possibility, or are we making sure that people understand that they're not alone and starting to talk about it more. So thank you very much for joining me in this podcast today. Oh, it was my pleasure. I love talking about this stuff. (laughs) And this is Lynn at Yoga Story. Thank you guys for joining us today.